Okay, class. Today we're gonna start with the basics. Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Pastor Eric. Thanks for listening today. And with me today is Pastor Ben. Hey, Ben, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. Good. Well, welcome, guys. We are shifting gears a little bit here. We ended our What is the Gospel series. We were supposed to start with the life of Martin Luther and the Lutheran Reformation. But as we introduced this new sermon series more conversations with Jesus, and I was thinking about and and hearing from our congregation about some of these questions and some of the response that we've had, Uh, I decided that what what I want to do is I want to, through this sermon series, do kind of an auxiliary podcast series. So over the next several weeks uh, for the foreseeable future, uh, we're going to do a candid conversation series. So these, these conversations will be kind of freewheeling, longer form, less edited, and uh, it's going to be focused on some of the questions that we won't be able to get to in the sermon series itself. So there's going to be a lot for us to talk about and go through over the next several weeks. So each week, we're just going to sit down and have a conversation about the questions that you guys, uh, our congregation specifically, is bringing up. So they're going to kind of be a sprawling series about different things. Um, so each episode will have a focus and that'll be the topic for that episode, but they probably won't have much to do with each other. So it won't be quite a series. It'll just be individual conversations. So that's what we're starting today. So welcome to Candid Conversations Part 1. Uh, we're going to talk about two things briefly. First of all, I just want to do a quick recap of the series and also the sermon that Pastor Ben you preached on Sunday. Can you just kind of fill us in on what this series, More Conversations with Jesus, is about and what we talked about on Sunday. Sure. We are uh, really repeating something we tried last year, which is where we turned the power back to the congregation and said, what are the questions that you would ask Jesus if he were sitting across the table from you? And of course, what that allows us to do as pastors is speak right to the, the heart of the story and the feelings that people are having that are sitting in the pews, because outside of that, we try to you know read our culture and and read our people from a distance and try to share God's truth of, of what they need, what's, what's going to be transformational and relevant in their life. However, uh, during this series, what's really nice is people get the chance to ask whatever question they might have, and so we actually can gear it towards them, and so we give strong priority to those questions that tend to stack up. So if a bunch of people are asking the same question, we'll, we'll navigate towards that direction. Of course, the problem is, just like last year, is that last year we pulled 30 different questions, over 30 questions from people. However, we only had seven weeks to do the series. So as you can imagine, we can't just distill them down to simple simple answers and disrespect the question. We have to give them the full weight they deserve, and so it means we had to cherry pick a few that really there was most traction connected to them. So Anyways, we started it back up because of that overwhelming response last year to re-navigate some more opportunities for people to ask their question. And so we started off with, uh, truly the first week is kind of an intro week where we kind of start our own question. 
But this next week, this past week, is when we really allowed the people to direct it. And so the question was an emotionally challenging question, and and a question really that a lot of people have dealt with either personally or they've been affiliated with somebody who's gone uh, through some of these challenges. But it was about conceiving kids. And so the the reality of the question and the frustration and, and attached to it is why can I not have kids? But when I look around my community, when I look around and see other families, I see parents who are either seemingly ungrateful for the gift that God has given them or people who have have just provided a horrible home. Maybe they, they've succumbed to addictions and so it's something like that, or maybe they're abusive to their kids, right? They're totally disrespectful of the gift that God has given them. And of course, when you see that around you, you assume rightfully, right? Why wouldn't God give those kids to me instead? And uh, so we we embarked on that journey. And of course, it was a very challenging, challenging journey as we went through that. But just like anything else, as we go through these series, and I'm sure it was like this when people were around Jesus, they would ask him a question, he would answer it, and then it would spark more questions. And so today on the podcast, we're actually going to take the conversation from Sunday a little bit further. So to distill Sunday's sermon down, which of course, you shouldn't accept that, you should go back and listen to the whole yeah, sermon. It was it was really, really good. So you should, you so. should listen to that, but we really kind of... We, we came down to some conclusions that obviously, first of all, we live in a broken world. We know that. And we know that ultimately Christ will bring the full restoration, you know, at the end of time. And, and so we look forward to that and we long for that. And, and really the whole world longs for that. That's why we have this distaste for things that fall short in our society and things that don't make sense in our society because there's this innate built-in reality in humanity that we expect things to go right and be right because that was the original intent in the garden. And so, of course, that all gets blown up, and sin enters the world, and everything goes haywire, not according to God's design, but because of the reality of our, our choosing. And, and still, most things in our life are the reality of our choosing. And, of course, sin you know permeates every area of society. So, anyways, we talked about the restoration that God is going to bring in eternity, which we all celebrate and look forward to, but also the restoration that he can bring in this life. And so the ultimate answer to it was that God is going to provide a restoration, but it might not be like what we want, right? For, for a person that has, had God has put that compassion and that desire for parenthood, there's different opportunities. It might not be a biological child, right? Maybe it will be. And if that's the case, they should keep praying and never give up, and, and God will answer that prayer. But along that journey of prayer, it might be a realization that they need to turn towards modern medicine, to people who God has uniquely equipped and crafted to uh, help people resolve those those realities in their life. The other option, of course, and and honestly, this is to show my cards. This is my my favorite restorative option, is to foster and to adopt because I think it's such a it's a beautiful correlation of our relationship with Jesus. And God the Father of adopting us into his family, even though we aren't, you know, quote unquote, biologically his kids, you know, things like that. And so I think that's a beautiful restorative way of, of taking kids or, or getting kids, I guess, who are from bad situations. Maybe their parents have died. Maybe their parents are abusive. Maybe their parents are, are, have just walked away and bringing that restoration to their life by fostering and adopting. 
And of course, the last one that we talked about was just the reality that that sometimes people have that heart or that passion for parenthood, but they find themselves in avenues and areas that really serve a similar purpose, right? Maybe they are going to counseling or they go into teaching or coaching or something of that nature where they are around kids all the time and they actually become almost like a parent figure in that kid's life. In fact, as that kid looks back on their life and the mentors and the influencers, that's probably how they might they might define that relationship. So anyways, like I said, when Jesus was teaching and they would ask him a question, I am certain, 110% certain, that I know it sparked more questions. And so we received a question this week that uh, we're going to uh, encounter today. And, and really, it was it was kind of built in and tied to that question of, okay, so if we are to pray, and, and the Bible says a lot about prayer, Jesus says a lot about prayer, and it seems to imply that if we pray, we shouldn't stop praying, and if we pray that God has, and I'm, you know, I'll just kind of say it how it was said, it's kind of this desire to grant our, our prayers, uh, but then it seems like that it doesn't always come true, and so what do we do with that tension? And so that's really what we're going to encounter today. It's really a question about prayer and how does it work, and and the Bible seems to have things that that don't always perfectly correlate. And so what do we do with all of that truth and how do we find maybe a, a healthy balance between all of those things? Yeah. Thanks, man. So the, the question that we got was from a parishioner who had just anecdotally talked about how they had prayed for people who didn't have, uh, who hadn't had biological children yet. And so then that sparked the question for this person. Well, so should, how boldly should we pray? So should I be praying that these people have a biological child, even if maybe God has something else for them? Uh, you know, because we there are people who, for one reason or another, just can't have biological children, uh, but still have the desire and the drive to parent, and God has given avenues for that. Um, specifically, and I'm with you, Pastor Ben, fostering and adoption, I think, are... Um, some of the most beneficial and powerful ways that that happens. And, you know, even in, in my own life, I have friends who, you know, we're talking, they've had six, seven, eight miscarriages and have become parents through adoption rather than through biology. And so this parishioner was asking, is it appropriate to pray for something, even if maybe it isn't God's will, or we don't know if it's God's will or not? And he referenced a scripture that tells us to pray boldly, to ask rightly, and specifically that comes from James, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, So the distillation of that question comes down to this. How can we be bold and specific in our prayer lives while at the same time know that it's God's will that is what I need in a particular situation? So how can I be bold and specific in my prayer life even though I don't know for sure if that's what God wants for me or not in this particular or another person in that particular situation. Um, so, so Ben, I think that we're just going to start off by talking about um, why God wants us to pray in the first place and why we're told to pray boldly in scripture. Why, why is that something that we do as Christians? Um, and, and yeah, so why, why do we do that? I think when it comes to, 
you know, anything when it comes to prayer is we're having a conversation with God. So I think the bold, the boldness is a, a full transparency. And you think about your spouse, which is probably the person, if you're married, the person you're most transparent with. If you're not married, think of the person you're the most transparent with. Might be a parent or a good friend or something like that. And maybe even if, if you don't have any of that, just like think of your journal, right? The place where you can just spew all of your emotions and thoughts and feelings and things like that. And and as you have those transparent conversations, then it's a it's an honor to that person to be able to really encounter the true you. And in very, very many ways for me, that prayer, especially for me personally, when I, when I say it out loud, and now normally this is in a private context, so if I'm driving, which of course I look like a lunatic, I'm sure, uh, but most people have Bluetooth and stuff, so I look less like a lunatic <laughs> than I used to, so that's technology has helped me. But it's that that honesty and openness of of having that dialogue with God. It's our primary way of communicating with God, of saying, hey, this is how I feel, this is what I'm thinking, in direct connection with our conversation day. Hey, God, I I don't have kids. I want to have kids. This isn't working, and I'm kind of mad. And I look around, and I'm I'm pretty angry that this doesn't make sense, and this world has fallen, and it seems like you're in control of the world or can overcome the world. We're told that, so why don't you overcome the world in this way? And and I think there's that there's a raw, you know, with that raw honesty, there's a beauty, a beauty that I'm being fully transparent with you, and we don't really get fully transparent with people unless we really really trust them. And so I think that boldness is a direct correlation to our trust in God and just opening up everything to his viewpoint. And, and for me personally, the reason I like to pray out loud, the benefit of that is I have to hear the words that I'm saying, where if they just rattle around my brain, they, they don't always sound as honest or uh, they don't have the shock value sometimes as when I have to verbalize mm. it. Out, out loud, and I actually hear those words echo back mm-hmm. in my truck, uh, back to my ears. So for me, I, I think of prayer simply as a, my primary way of having a conversation with God. And so the boldness aspect of is just being transparent and honest, and for me, it's a respect of God mm-hmm. in that way. So how, how about you? How do you feel about that, or how does that work out in your life? Yeah, I I think simply... The reason that we, the reason that we ask God for things, and the reason that we ask God for things boldly, I think just comes down to because He commands it in Scripture. I mean, He tells us to ask Him for things, uh, and and I the way that I've, the way that this has opened itself up in my life is with my own two children, uh, my boys. It's. I love it when they ask me for something. If it's the milk or water or a snack, even if I don't want to give them the thing, even if I won't give them the thing that they want, just the fact that they're asking me for something like that, that gives me joy. Like I enjoy giving them what they ask for. Um, So if they do want something to eat, it brings me joy to give them something to eat when they ask for, uh, you know, just that. And I, and I'm sure you feel that way too, Ben. It's, it's an, it's a joy 
to provide for your child the thing that they desire. Um, now, of course, I can't always do that because sometimes they, you know, sometimes my three-year-old wants pizza or he wants cookies. And I'm like, buddy, we're not having pizza right now. We have whatever it is we're having for dinner that night, right? We have that for dinner. We're not going to have pizza. I'm not going to give you that thing. Even if I had to say no, the fact that my son trusts me enough and uh, loves me enough to come and request that thing from me, that fills me with joy. And it helps me, like it makes me feel loved and it helps me love my child. Uh, so, so that really unlocked some of those commands for me in the scripture that God simply tells us that we are to ask him for things boldly. In fact, at one point, Jesus in one of the gospels, he tells a parable of a wicked ruler who is, he's a judge who does not fear God, does not fear man. And this widow comes to him and asks for justice. And this widow comes to him every single day, asking him for justice for some wrong that happened to her. I don't remember what it is. And she, she asks him and she begs him to make right what has been wronged to her, whatever it might, I can't remember what happened. And she pestered this judge, this ruler so much that the judge finally said, okay, fine, I'll give you what you want. I'll give you justice. And then Jesus, after that parable says, that's how you should pray. So <laughs> it, it's, it's so central to how God wants to interact with us that Jesus actually compares God to a wicked judge who just gets pestered enough to say yes to a thing, right? Like that's, it, it's obviously so central and so important to how God wants to operate in the world. He wants us to ask him for things. And in fact, tells us, through the teaching of Jesus to pester him about things. Um, some of the rub that comes from that uh, is when we get into James and James says things like, you don't receive because you ask with evil intentions, which we oftentimes put into prayer. That's from James chapter four. And in James chapter one, um, James writes to his, uh, to the people he's writing to, um, he tells them to pray and he tells them to pray fervently. And so uh, it's that's where we get the rub. But simply for me, the reason that we do these things, the reason that we pray and ask God for things boldly is because he tells us to. He wants to give us gifts and he wants us to ask him for things, even if he has to say no. The asking builds that relationship and builds that trust. Trust It builds our faith, even if he has to say no to us. And there's a a direct correlation that kind of keeps us moving down this path. And th those are really two good metaphors, one from Jesus and one from Pastor Eric about his own kids and, of course, then the, the evil ruler. But the one, the one thing that's built into the cake on that is that if we're asking somebody boldly, we're starting from the posture that they can actually fulfill our needs. Mm -hmm. So when, I, when I'm walking through Walmart and my daughter takes me to the toy aisle and she's like, I want this, or no, she doesn't say it like that. Um, she normally says, can I bring a toy? Can I take a toy home or something of that nature? Uh, she's starting from the posture that I can provide that I yeah. can pull out my, my credit card or some cash or something, and I can bring that toy home. I can purchase that toy. When we go to God boldly, we're starting from the posture that he can do something that that widow went to the judge because he could do something. 
And so we're starting from a, a posture of faith and trust, which we know all throughout Scripture, that's an important part. In fact, us continue to pester is, is not just even a way to honor or be transparent. It goes beyond that, is we're pestering because we haven't given up. We know that God can still. It's it's an act of faith. Yes. It's an act of faith to continue to ask, even if God seems to say no at the time. Yeah, and so we see all sorts of scriptures. In fact, today I was just kind of gleaning through some some scriptures on prayer, and it's amazing how many times that Jesus talks about prayer. I mean, it's got to be. I I can't tell you. I haven't done the study, but I I'm certain if his number one topic was money, his number two topic must have been prayer. And so, of course, outside of his his ongoing mission of of his purpose, but you know we see that over and over and over and over again, and oftentimes it was connected to belief, trust, faith. However, they said it in that in that context that we must believe because we know what God can do. God can do anything, and we we go to Him boldly, mm-hmm. uh, which gets us to probably the next part where. Uh, we need to go, which is his answer. Uh, much like my daughter who takes me to the toy aisle, sometimes I say yes, and sometimes I say no. Uh, when I'm doing my best parenting, I normally say no, and I'll <laughs> say why. You know, wh- why are we not getting this toy or going home with this? And I'll, you know, give her some response that she will probably not fully comprehend. Right. Of hey, you know, this costs money, and we just bought something last time we were here, and. We don't have it in our budget. You know, a lot of things that she really understands. And I talk about return on investment and long-term, <laughs> you know, variables and stuff like that. But no, I mean, I, I explained it to her. And I think in, in many ways, the request allows for an ongoing ongoing conversation. Right. Yeah. And and that's this is where we kind of get into James 1 territory uh, to kind of capstone what we've talked about. Uh, James 1, verse 5 through 8 from the Common English Bible says... But anyone who needs wisdom should ask God, whose very nature is to give to everyone without second thought. So that's where we see that nature, right? It's his nature that he wants to give without second thought and without keeping score. Wisdom will certainly be given to those who ask. Whoever asks shouldn't hesitate. They should ask in faith without doubting. Whoever doubts is like the surf of the sea, tossed tossed and turned by the wind. People like that should never imagine that they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded, unstable in all their ways. And this actually reflects uh, a teaching from Jesus from Mark 11 that says, uh, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you will receive it, and it will be so for you. Uh, So there, there you go. There's the command, right? It's simply something that God tells us to do. Uh, in the teachings of Jesus and then in the teachings of James, that we are commanded to ask boldly. And here, um, it says that that doubting uh, is actually part of the problem. That being like, well, God, I hope that you do this thing, you know, even just kind of waffling a little bit. Um, that's part of the problem of not receiving what God has for you. And uh, and I think that that comes from the Lord's Prayer where we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Some people think, some people read that as limiting, where we should only pray for God's will. Uh, But that's not 
that's not what Jesus says, and that's not what James says. They actually say you should ask God for you should ask God for whatever you want, and He might say no to you, but you should ask, knowing that God will give it to you. So that's where that boldness comes from. So, so at some point, and this sounds a little a little brash, maybe, um, but I think it's it's this is honest, and I think that this is what God tells us with this boldness is that God He kind of wants us to put his feet to the fire. Like he wants us to grab him by his collar, um, not because he needs to be reminded and not because he needs to know, um, but simply it's our act of faith by telling God, hey, you need to make good on this promise that you've given me. You need to make good on this relationship that you've been telling me we have. Um, And just like with my own son, sometimes I say no. Right. And he doesn't understand. And so he throws a fit and all this kind of stuff. Just like you mentioned with your daughter, there's some, right. Sometimes the parent has to say no. Um, but the power of that relationship is in the asking, not necessarily in the answering. Um, so I think that's what, that's some of this tension is that people are like, well, I don't want to ask for something that God's not going to give. And they also quote James four, which talks about asking with the wrong motive. But, um, and we probably don't have enough time to get into this. I don't think that that's actually dealing with prayer as such. Um, it's kind of a cherry picked quote. Um, the context, I'm not sure demands that it's talking about prayer in that context. So I would be pretty hesitant to even apply that to prayer in this situation. Um, asking with the wrong, with the wrong intentions. I don't think that that's really what James four is dealing with, but, um, at the end of the day, God is our parent and he wants us to ask him for things. He wants us to ask and he likes to give gifts. Um, and so sometimes he says no, and we may know, we may understand why, but sometimes we may not. And he knows better than we do. Um, so sometimes we just have to trust that in that relationship, we're the three-year-old. Um, we're not the parent in that relationship. And so some there are some things we just won't understand. Yeah, you think about that idea of, of not asking God something because you're kind of nervous. Maybe this is out of bounds or maybe this is inappropriate. You know, we have a lot of relational metaphors that scripture uses to help us understand our relationship with God. We have obviously the, the child and, and father uh, element. We also have the groom and, and bride element where we are the bride. And I think about my wife or I think about any marriages in general if your spouse has a desire or a hope and they don't speak it, guess what you cannot do? Uh, you cannot fulfill it. Now, can God read our minds? Yeah, it's different. But I there, I think there's still some value there. It goes back to that idea of, of asking for what you need. Uh, if my wife asks me for something that she needs or shares her desire, then it sparks a dialogue. Mm-hmm. It sparks a dialogue. Now, not that I am saying yes or no to my wife and, you know, overlording over that. But, you know, what if she asked me some, for something ridiculous? She would never do this. But let's say Pastor Eric's <laughs> wife asked him for something ridiculous. Okay? Just to play on safer, safer ground. Okay. But, but let's say that. Okay, let's say my, my wife comes back and she's like, hey, I've been watching these commercials during Christmas, and you see how those guys, like... They, they open up the Christmas tree, and inside the box is a set of keys, and then they go outside, and there's a brand new Cadillac SUV with the big red bow, and they're matching, right? There's a husband and wife, and I whenever I watch those, I think, who are these people that are doing this, and how angry would I be if my wife bought me a $80,000 car 
and then a matching one and then bankrupted us. <laughs> you know, I'm like, how are, how is it not turned into the next section of the commercials, a big war going on inside the house and Christmas is ruined and everyone goes home afraid of the marriage relationship breaking down. <laughs> but, you know, if, if she were to come in and say, hey, I really want a Cadillac, you know, I really want a Cadillac SUV. We'd probably talk about the practicality and the reality of like, hey, you know, we can get a used Chrysler and it's still going to be pretty good. And guess what? We can still actually also buy clothes and food. And so I, I think there is some some correlation there, too, is not being scared of God and, and asking for what he wants, which leads us to the next thing. If we can do that and have open dialogue, then we get into that, that beautiful area where Jesus... Mm-hmm. Jesus' words and his way of praying teach us so much, right? Yeah. Your will be done, right? So God is the ultimate the ultimate person who guides the conversation and moves us where we should go. And in fact, there's this great section also in Matthew and Christ's teachings where he says, where two, where two or more gathered, I am, I am there. Well, does that mean that the Holy Spirit only exists if I'm around another Christian or within you know, proximity of that? Of course, that's not the reality, but when you're in a small group or you're in a church setting and, and you can have other Bible-believing Christians surrounding you, they give you perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Fresh perspective. And how many viewpoints have you had that have shifted or or become a healthier viewpoint because somebody spoke into your life in your life group, someone in your family spoke into your life, a pastor said something, and, and you're in a group setting, Cults start on one person sitting yeah, by right. themselves and then getting a bunch of sheep to follow them. But but healthy, dynamic, and, and growing churches and life groups are a group conversation, not an echo chamber. And, and so that's what we're talking about, this dialogue with God, mm-hmm. where over time he can mm-hmm. shift our understanding. And so I, in my personal prayer life, I use this thing called the, the Echo Prayer app, and so you can download it. I have an iPhone, so I... I just download it from the the store there. And you put all your prayers down, and then it just pesters you to pray mm-hmm. throughout the day. But then you can also sit down and do a concentrated, like pray through all the requests. So I have my personal prayers on there that I work through. And then once they're answered, then you click answered. But some of them for me have been on there forever, like years. And I downloaded this app about, man, probably like seven years ago. So some of them are quite, quite old. And, and what I've seen the ones that are directly correlated to my life, right? They're real personal prayer needs. I've seen the evolution of how I was praying at the beginning, boldly, directly, dad, this is what I want, right? Father, this is what I want. And how God has answered them. But as he's answered them, he's actually answered them partly by shifting me. Mm, yeah. So even my prayers, he shifted me along the way. So my prayers changed. And, and if you think back through your, your life, I know if I think back through my life, aren't you glad that God did not answer all your prayer requests? Like, uh, was it Bruce Almighty? Is that the movie where yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim Carrey becomes God and answers everyone's requests and the world just becomes like a mess and they hate their lives because they did have their prayers answered? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, it'd be like going back to high school. I'm so glad I did not end up marrying my high school girlfriend, which I'm sure I prayed a prayer like, God, this is what I really want. This is what, mm. what should happen. Uh, praise the Lord. That didn't happen because I got to, to meet my wife and have my family. And if my 
ex-girlfriend is listening to this for some obscure reason, uh, that is not an insult on you. Uh, and I'm, yeah, sure Becky. You, I'm sure you feel the same way. We don't talk about Becky. How dare you mention her name? So awkward. Becky Jacobson. No, I don't. That's not the real name. It's totally made up. But anyways, you know, there's things like that. We all had those things in high school or we wish we would have or, or whatever. And God gave us a different answer. I mean, on a very personal note, I've, I've shared my, my past struggles with suicidal thoughts quite a while ago, but the, you know, and I would literally sit on my, my floor and pray, God, take me home. God, take me home. God, take me home. And if I, you know, fast forward through the future, if God would have answered that prayer, I would have missed out on so much. Mm. And no matter how much influence or how little influence we have in this world, those people would have missed out on those things. And so praise the Lord, he didn't answer my requests of either easy success or what I thought was supposed to be success or what I wanted in life, and also the the alternative too. And because of that, God has shifted me through a transparent prayer life. Where I'm like, God, this is what I want. And then the next time my prayer maybe shifts to God, I kind of actually now I think it's kind of this is what I want. And then he kind of moves me and shifts me and shifts me. And then I'm like, okay, this is what I want. And when it comes into alignment with Christ, that's what I get, right? It's the loving father, which is also the reason that we, we close our prayers with amen, right? May it, may it be so according to your will. And so the prayer life is this, this bold, transparent conversation with God where we have this, this dialogue where he speaks from his word, we speak from our mouths during prayer, and we, he shifts us through his spirit into the direction that, that we should go. And so I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. And for everyone who is struggling with that question from Sunday, that's my prayer for them is keep praying boldly, and maybe God will shift you into one of those, those five answers that, that you're supposed to go. Maybe it's time to invest. Or maybe it's time to uh, open yourselves up to a very scary reality of fostering. And maybe that fostering will turn into adoption. Or maybe that coaching opportunity, is it's time to sign on the dotted line. I know Rock Falls, was it, freshman basketball, if you're listening to this and you have yes. basketball, they, they need you. Coach, coach Zach needs a freshman <laughs> basketball coach. This is your opportunity. There you go. And I've heard the parents of Rock Falls, they're very cordial, and they would never <laughs> yell at you if you do not play their kid. But you know those opportunities are there, and maybe maybe God is going to nudge you as you pray boldly for a child into the direction that that you will be a parent, and maybe it'll be exactly what you thought it was going to be. But maybe your heart will shift, and it'll become something so much more, but something you never could have imagined. That was great, Pastor Ben. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I think that the. You know, just to kind of reiterate, the main point is that asking God for things boldly does not necessarily mean that He's going to give us whatever we ask for. Asking God for things boldly puts us into relationship with God, the right kind of relationship with God, where we receive from Him. And, uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm not actually sure who first said this, um, but it's to pray is to change. And to pray is not to change God's mind about something, but to pray is actually to change 
us is to change our mind. And, uh, I, I say it like this in two weeks from now, uh, as of, yeah, well, this, this, uh, will go out on, uh, this upcoming Thursday, uh, two weeks from now in our journey class, we're going to talk about prayer. And I liken prayer to, uh, the ultimate fighting champion. Um, Ben, are you an MMA fan? Do you like mixed martial arts? I think violence is wrong. <laughs> well, I'm a big, I'm a big, no, U, I, I'm a big I, UFC guy. I don't, I don't get an opportunity. Yes. I will say this. <laughs> I will say this just as a quick uh, sidebar. Every time there's a big buildup for a boxing fight, I watch it and I'm so bored. Oh. <laughs> but MMA, um, MMA is a lot more interesting. Yes. And as a real side side note, when I was uh, after my baseball career, I was trying to find something new to do. Oh. And so uh, I had a, this little thought for a while that I wanted to do MMA fighting. And so I got really into weightlifting to prepare for it. But then I went back into ministry and stuff. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that's yeah, the thing. The problem with, with getting into MMA is that you have to be really good at more than one martial arts. So you, it takes a lot of time to, to – anyway, I, I'm a big UFC fan. Uh, and, of course, there was that old – back way back toward the beginning, they used that big phrase, enter the octagon, because they use that octagon, the cage that they use now. Um, and so that was – I think they started using that back in like 99 or something like that. And so that was their big thing, enter the octagon, and that was that was how they built up into that. And so I like to say, and in our journey class in two weeks, I talk about prayer as entering the octagon with God. So you enter into prayer, and sometimes we like to think of prayer as this nice, gentle, we're asking God, you know, almost like writing a letter to Santa. But in reality, like it's prayer is a hard thing to do. And being persistent at prayer the way that God commands is difficult to do. Um, asking prayer or asking for things with the right, um, with the right mindset of trusting that God's going to give it to us, that's difficult to do. Prayer um, is a hard thing, and prayer is a hard thing, and so it really is like entering into a battle, entering into a fight with God, and God is always going to win. You you are always going to get knocked out, or you are always going to have to tap out, or you are you are going to be submitted by God um, in a probably a guillotine choke. He's gonna he will win. But that's for the best. So at the end of the day, God winning in your heart is the best thing for you. And so that's how I like to talk about prayer, is that we enter into the space with God where he commands us to ask him boldly. We're going to be disappointed because we're not going to get what we want. We're going to want to throw fits. We're going to want to be angry. We're, it's going to be a difficult process. But God is going to change us, and he's going to change our hearts. And one of the Psalms says that if you seek the Lord, he gives you the desires of your hearts. And that's kind of tongue-in-cheek, because if you seek the Lord, he is the desire of your heart, right? So he's going to give you exactly what you need, and he's going to change you so that you are desiring him, and you are desiring his kingdom, and you are desiring to love him and love your neighbor. So prayer is to change. It's going to change you, and it's going to change how you think and how you feel about situations. And he may give you what you are asking for. Like that may actually happen. Um, but whether or not he's going to give it to you, you have to believe that he can give it to you, which is what you talked about earlier, Pastor Ben. Um, so I think that's some of those, that's some of the hard thing with prayer is that 
I think that we need to be bold in prayer because he, he demands us to. Um, but also we have to be okay when he tells us no, when he doesn't answer our prayer. And maybe he's opening the door for something else um, by saying no to us in what we ask for. Yeah, I think uh, as we bring this to a close, I want to share a couple stories that happened after Sunday. So we had this, obviously, this emotional sermon. Mm. And uh, like I said before, everyone at this point in time, I feel like, has been connected to this conversation about, if we go back to the conversation about having kids or not having kids and things like that, we either know somebody or we are that somebody or we were that somebody. And so after the service, I had a couple of conversations and one person said, you know, I, my daughter uh, couldn't have kids. And they they finally felt like God was calling them into the adoption process. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up ad- adopting these twins these twins who are from a, a drug addicted home and what a beautiful, beautiful picture of God shifting people's right. prayer and then right. being restoration on this earth to show the ultimate restoration, uh, in the same, in the same way, there was another individual who shared a similar story, how they couldn't have kids. And so they adopted this little girl and now they have this beautiful, cute, energetic daughter and they can't yeah. imagine their life life with without them. And so I, I love those stories. I wish we told those stories more. I have a I have a real passion for people who do fostering and adoption because I, I do think it's a, a beautiful reflection of God bringing his restoration to the earth. And I, I do hope I do hope that someday our church uh, can be a platform and really put a strong focus on serving those families, caring for those families, providing opportunities for those families whether it's it's just emotional support or even even uh, financial support that would be that'd be my dream of course that's down the road and mm-hmm. and we'll see what what God does with new life in that regard but I'd love to provide an opportunity as God takes those bold prayers and maybe shifts the focus yeah. and shifts the desire and then uh, allows us to partner with them and wouldn't it be amazing to have a church full of a bunch of kids that uh, that's their story yeah that God uh, used these people and the realities of the sinful life and and uh, how sin permeates and destroys and and seeks to kill and destroy, right? That's that's what we learned on Sunday. But God came to bring life and bring it abundantly mm-hmm. and just have our, our pews filled with kids who have been uh, restored and brought into a loving relationship with a mom and dad who are here and... Uh, weren't able to have their own, at least during that, that season of life. That would be, that would be a beautiful, beautiful story. And I think a beautiful way to be Christ's hands and feet on the earth. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Appreciate you. Thank you guys for listening in. Uh, this was Candid Conversations 1. Uh, we're going to keep doing this every week uh, for the foreseeable future. So join us next week to talk about something completely different. We'll see, we'll see what, we'll see what it is. Whatever Um, you guys decide, whatever you guys decide. So keep those questions coming. Um, we have lots of questions still, uh, from last year and this year, uh, but we wanted to have more. And especially like if you guys have the same question as other people, uh, you know, that just gets, that kind of pushes that question up the priority list for us. So make sure you're submitting your questions. That way we can know what you guys are wondering about and thinking about and praying about. 
um, and we'd be happy to talk about those things as well. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you this weekend for our worship services, and we'll uh, see you next week uh, for Candid Conversations too. Have a great weekend. We'll see you later. Stay